Welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast on Wednesday morning. My name is Scott Kennedy. I will be your host. I am in Atlanta. This guy over here is Nick Kendall. He's in Seattle getting up bright and early to join us. So we are coast to coast, opposite coast completely, north, south, too, Mm -hmm. uh, with your coverage this morning. And I want to say good morning. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. It's a Wednesday. It's a slow week. I've been off, you know, gallivanting the last two weeks with my buddy in town. And now we're back to the normal drudgery of, uh, but that's okay. Uh, wife's gone. So I've been staying up too late, you know, eating junk food, eating what I want, eating. Um, <laughs> you can cover yours on this one, Scott, eating meat at home, which I typically do not do as much because a uh, wife is vegetarian, but yeah, no doing, doing pretty darn well. I'll tell you though, the pets, it's all out of whack. They are following me around and just like staring at me. It's like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I know that she gives you treats. I don't even know where these treats are. You're just going to have to deal. <laughs> I always like to say the line I like to use is I'm labor, not management. So you're out of luck, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, no, I, I'd say I can't be a real vegetarian because I don't push it on other people. So, you know, my I'm the only vegetarian in my house, you mm. know, between uh, between the wife and two kids. I'm the only vegetarian. I don't try and I might influence them every once in a while. With uh, let me shut this. I turned hardware acceleration back on, trying to get rid of the lag, and now my sound card is cranking up. It sounds like a helicopter landing. That's what you get when you get uh, a video card with two big old, uh, three big fans on it. I got a good one, so I don't want to lag Streamyard. I don't know why this started a month ago, uh, but it hasn't gotten a lot better. Let's take a morning to some folks while Facebook is reaching out and YouTube is reaching out into the the internet verse and finding our. Our lost Falcons fans and and other football fans. Big Ant is in here nice and early. He says, good morning, Scott, and everyone in the chat. Good morning to you as well. Big Ant, Michael Ranquillo. We can always count on Michael being here. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. And uh, Roderick Cook says, good good afternoon, everyone, coming in from across the pond. And he's a big fan of following you on Twitter with uh, with the the nature stuff that you like to put up there. So, um, yeah, I am too. I think... uh, it's i think it's pretty awesome you get out there and do that kind of stuff um and i've I've encouraged you you know i was 36 before i had my first kid and i went out and did all the things i wanted to do and don't feel like i miss out on anything because i'm at ball games and practices all week that's what i want to do now i did all that other stuff so good for you nick yeah the thing is i think there's so much to do in this world that no matter what i'm not going to be able to do it so i'm just trying to pack in as much as i can while i can so but that's awesome. I mean, there's so much world to explore and I appreciate the shout out there, Roderick. Yeah, the rest of the summer is still going to be pretty enjoyable. I think I might be doing the Timberline Trail, which is the 40 mile loop around Mount Hood. Um, I'm going to do about 70 miles in the Sawtooths in Idaho. That's a good 12 hours of straight hiking. You do that in two days? We're going to do it. In, we're going to be carrying 40 pound packs. So we'll probably okay. do it in th- three days. I gotcha. Yeah. So it's also 10,000 feet of elevation gain. Yeah. So, and a lot of exposed parts. Yeah, I so. usually think, you know, a standard walk, a good brisk walks about four miles an hour, 40 miles, 10 hours. And then I was like, okay, terrain, I'll move it up to 12 hours. Why don't you move it up to 16 hours? Yeah. <laughs> I think backpacking wise, cause uneven terrain and stuff. And sometimes you're on your hands and knees and stuff. So like about two miles an hour, is it probably yeah. about the, the standard there, but uh, it's good. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of fun things planned. So I'm excited for the summer. Hopefully Hopefully the weather holds out. I'm I'm concerned about uh, wildfire season, as probably everybody already is in in the world. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Mark Schrader coming in from Texas says good morning, Scott and Nick, and uh, Chris Walker coming on Facebook. So I know Facebook's starting to reach some of our lost sheep. We've got Kevin Fitzpatrick has given us a like. Chris, you should give us a like. 
give us a like. I know those will come in. Like I said, we start the first five minutes with about a quarter of the people that we finish with. Mm-hmm. Kevin Fitzpatrick says, good morning, guys. Welcome back, Nick. You were missed. Definitely missed. Definitely missed. And now uh, Cortez back in on YouTube. He says, good morning, everyone. I got in here before Scott started losing his voice today. <laughs> yeah, you go 55 minutes and... Uh, I've got a bunch of these if I need them. I keep these on hand. Um, but usually I don't pop them until it's too late when I'm doing solo. So, yeah, um, we'll see. But, you know, especially when I've only got one cup of coffee and, and, and it's empty at about 30 minutes. At about 50 minutes, I start struggling a bit um, for sure. But we want to get into it today. And some of the things I want to talk about, the Falcons have started mini camp. We want to talk about some of the, the big storylines going into and coming out of mini camp, including... Um, a couple position battles, uh, some injuries, and not necessarily on the negative side. There's some guys coming back from injuries that are back out there, which is good news. Um, and then some play, some position battles that have happened because of an injury. And and Nick, um, going through some of the notes that that Tori um, McElhaney put up on AtlantaFalcons.com, there was one real interesting phrase i guess she put in there at the top of of things she says we're not going to talk too much about the first team ol because that seems quote unquote locked in stone okay mm-hmm. we can know who we know we've got a pretty good idea who you know four of those guys are you know left tackle jake matthews center drew dalman right guard chris lindstrom right tackle kayla mcgarry but matt hennessy who was maybe third guy in at left guard last year and backup center has been working with the ones the Falcons drafted Matthew Bergeron in the second round, presumably to be a starting left guard. Now I'm not surprised that Matthew Hennessy is the, is working with the number ones right now. He's it's early. He's been there, but locked in stone. That one, that one got my attention a little bit, Nick. It could be locked in stone for mandatory minicamp, but other than that, it's long-term. We'll see. I, Bergeron's still picking it up. I think that Arthur Smith will probably go the more old-school route on that approach, but Hennessy's been up and down and fine, but he knows the system uh, better, and he knows he has chemistry with the guys around him as well. So mm-hmm. I would be pretty shocked if Bergeron didn't take it over at some point this season, especially because Bergeron also has more oomph in the run game. I think he got a little yeah. bit more pop and pop power, uh, but... Right now, it makes a lot of sense that they're going with the more, especially during install or mandatory mini camp. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all when I saw that that was happening. I I guess one of the other moves that that gets our attention is, you know, Jalen Mayfield. We talked about this on Monday is Jalen Mayfield is back working as as a backup right tackle. And um, Cortez, it might be too early. You you got in, had to get in quick before I start losing my voice. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Jalen Mayfield at backup right tackle. That makes sense considering you've got Matthew Bergeron working second team left guard, I would imagine. Um, because Jalen Mayfield is not going to beat him out at left guard. So, where do you have a chance to still make this roster, Jalen? Well, where you were drafted, uh, at right tackle, even though he's got a guard build, guard features, all those type of things. Um, do you th- how, how big a battle do you think this could be? Do you think Hennessy could beat out Matthew Bergeron or is this is he just keeping the seat warm for the rookie? I mean, he could beat him out. Sure, he's year three. He knows the system. It's going to be a still a wide zone scheme in the end of the, at the end of the day. So it could certainly happen. I mean, Bergeron definitely had some 
question sometimes in pass protection, why not? He's playing a whole new position as well at guard. So I could see it, but I still think Bergeron's upside is better. I mean, the fact that did, did they trade up for him? I can't even recall uh, to go get him. Was it a um, Colts? Trade? I think they did because um, Avia had gone just beforehand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we talked about, you know, Avia or Bergeron. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, they may have targeted Bergeron all along, but then when Avia was gone, it's like, okay, we better make sure we don't lose this guy too. Yeah. Um, so they traded, they did, I'm, I'm 99% sure they traded up to uh, to get Bergeron. So, um, you know, real quick, couple more good mornings. Joe Cannon says, good morning, Scott, and welcome back, Nick. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Great morning to you as well. And wavy two times, wavy two X's. Good morning, Scott. I'm kind of new here. Well, welcome in. Don't be a stranger. We're glad to have you. And um, you're live in the chat, so we'll hit any questions that we see that make sense. And then, obviously, uh, hit the comments section on YouTube afterwards. I, we keep an eye on that and enjoy the discussion on that as a as an old-fashioned message board. I think I had 100,000 posts on the old scout.com message boards. Well, I'm, I'm OCD about responding. So if you've got any questions... Um, then then uh, don't be afraid to put them in after the fact. And that goes to everybody listening too. And Chris said, yes, it was the Colts and got Ade Ade with our 110th fourth round pick. That's right. So that was a, um, they moved up their second round pick. I believe they got, they didn't take Joshua Downs in the third. Was there, was there a wide receiver? I don't remember who they took in the second. Um, they took so many players that we like. It's they got 12 guys. Yeah, they, took, they took 12 guys. Remember they went Anthony Richardson, I think they went Joshua Downs in the third. I can't remember who Julius they went with in the second. Who was it? Julius Brents. The tight end? The, no, massive, the corner. The tall massive. corner that we liked. Yeah, yes. I really liked Indianapolis's draft. Yeah. And then Ade Ade in the fourth. So they got, for us in Atlanta, getting the uh, getting Matthew Bergeron, we gave them Ade Ade and Julius Brents. That's a pretty good move for the Colts and if you got your starter at left guard and the Falcons had a hole at left guard then that that should be a good move for the Falcons as well but that was the Colts did well they got 12 guys and they might try and cut and stash a couple of them on the on the practice squad uh specifically that basketball player that's offensive tackle that they took in the seventh Mm -hmm. but um you know Darius Rush Ade Ade Joshua Downs Anthony Richardson um, they're going to have a, they're going to have a lot of new faces in there and, and with the Colts. So thanks Chris for, for checking that out. Uh, Michael says, good morning. Good morning to you as well. And where have you been? Um, well, one of the Mondays we haven't missed any, we missed one Wednesday. I took one Wednesday off when Nick was gone. Um, but it was, it was Memorial day week. So we've been back before then. So I did, I went Monday and we'll be back moving forward. We'll be back Mondays and Wednesdays live on, on, on YouTube and Facebook at 9 a.m. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, moving forward. So, um, and then uh, Jeremy stopping by says, uh, good morning, bless the guys with the like. Absolutely appreciate the support, Jeremy. So one of the other pretty pretty solid position battles, Nick, I think coming up is for that nickel corner slot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was, I think Jeffrey Akuda is going to be the, the opposite corner, the corner opposite A.J. Terrell. But that leaves D. Alford in the mix with Mike Hughes. Now, Mike Hughes doesn't necessarily have the resume where we can just write him in ink as a as a starter, and he's going to have his hands full with D. Alford 
trying to uh, trying to earn that spot. Yeah, I mean, you got also Clark Phillips, who you drafted in the fourth round this season, that had a pretty good damn career at Utah. Mm-hmm. I know that the rookies, you know, we just talked about Bergeron being back up, so it makes sense that Phillips is not part of that initial discussion as well, but would not uh, rule him out. I mean, the, his, the ball production on there, if this is going to be a team, something that's been a trademark of those Saints defenses uh, the last decade have been really emphasizing taking the ball away. And Clark Phillips did a pretty damn good job of putting his hands on footballs despite the limited size. So we'll see. I think that's a great shout. Um, when you think of Clark Phillips, you think we've, we've talked about this before that how they went kind of polar opposites in the third round and the fourth round in the third round, they went high upside, lower production. Uh, and in the fourth round, they went lesser physical talent, all really high production. So I always kind of think of it as a line graph and the guys at the very top that get drafted the highest are at the top right of production and physical prowess. And then it's a little steeper, I think, on physical production. The NFL, it's a a bigger, faster, stronger game. They will bet more on upside, on tools than they do on production. You get a six foot, four, eight uh, middle linebacker who has 150 tackles in college, he, he'll be lucky to get a a, a, a UDFA, UDFA even if he was an all-conference guy. Um, now, Clark Phillips isn't that bad, but he he was not a toolsy-type player. He didn't have the length. He didn't have the, the blazing speed. My God, he's a football player. And Nick, well, now I'm back and I'm going to say Nick Nickel. Now, Nick, the Nickel is a perfect spot for a player like that who can who just – sees the whole field. It's, it's, it's a little bit like a, a second free safety in, in times, if you're playing a zone to let him freelance a little bit and just see the whole field come off coverages. I think that's a great shout, you know, D Alford and Mike Hughes, but watch out for Clark Phillips. The big question about Clark Phillips in the nickel spot is the size and physicality in a league that is trending towards more big bodies at the slot position. It's we're moving away from the Cole Beasley's Wes Welker's Brandon Stokely's of the world in the slot. And we're getting more, you know, Drake London's or uh, Alan Lazard's who are these, you know, 225 pound, 230 pound guys. So if you have small, you better damn well bring it in the physicality and the run defense, uh, because otherwise they're going to target you in the quick pass game and the run game. So just questions we'll have with the size. I mean, he plays ferocious, but you're talking about the wide hash marks in the pack 12 of all, conferences which might might be the softest of the power fives no offense i mean we all saw usc trying to tackle this season and that was the cream of the crop in the 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 bit pac 12 i guess you got U- utah was actually pretty good and that's where Flip, uh, clark phillips comes from but we'll see um it's i think it'll be interesting to follow him in that spot as well so there's only so many six five drake london's out there you know so you you've got to be able to rotate your guys. So just because you're start, you're, you could be the third corner, but if your X moves inside, he could move outside. You know, there's only so many matchup problems out there that yeah, you could your nickel might end up lining up outside while AJ Terrell slides into the slot because he's following Justin Jefferson, <laughs> who's lining up in the slot. Because we we talk about you know the moving guys around to get them open and. Positionless football, like I, we don't have an XYZ, we'll move them all over the place. And that could be the case. That could be the case on how you're going to have to match up with those guys on the backside. And having more defensive backs with quality is going to be so much better. Do you remember 
uh, two years ago when the Falcons went to Dallas and just got boat raced. Mm. And you had Avery um, Avery Williams, rookie Avery Williams, who was drafted as a punt returner. He was your he was your nickel corner. That you know, and and God bless him, he's out this year with a knee injury. But this is a guy who got moved to running back his second season in the NFL. That's the difference in quality that the Falcons will be able to put out there. We're talking three guys for one spot that are all considerable upgrades over some of the players they had to put out there even just two years ago. Uh, when you talk Mike Hughes, D. Alford, and Clark Phillips. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've definitely injected talent into the position. Position. We'll see how it plays out. Also, with the Falcon, with the Falcons, with your investment in the safety spot as well, maybe that nickel spot is going to be some bigger bodies uh, coming down from time to time. So, will be a lot of fun. And the Falcons team actually has some depth uh, for mm-hmm. the first time in a while because of the draft picks and uh, expenditures on that side of the ball. So, going to be interesting. I don't expect you know a top unit this season, but compared to the bottom five, 10 unit that we've witnessed right. in talent uh, the last two seasons. This this should be a marked step forward. Yeah, and uh, Roderick says, I'm keen to see how Phillips gets on. Uh, will his game IQ beat his physical disadvantages? I think so. For for, for where you drafted him, I think he was a, a fourth round pick. Uh, he was. Uh, he was a fourth round pick uh, that I think he yeah. can come and contribute and be a special teams demon at worst mm-hmm. um, and then be a really good contributor uh, in passing situations or He's just, like I said, he's just a hell of a football player. You know, and that sounds, well, they're all football players, Scott. I know how how simple and stupid that sounds. But, you know, this is an educated group. If you're watching a pod on a a Wednesday morning at 930, you understand game IQ, football attendance, awareness. You know, I always said a a scoop of of anticipation is better than a tenth of a second on a 40-yard dash. So these guys, these guys, and Clark Phillips has that. And, yes, I think... That's why you still take him in the fourth, despite if you're looking at his NFL combine numbers, you're like, okay, maybe seventh, but he's just, he's, he's good. He's that's when you got to turn on the tape. I call it the enough factor, Nick. All right. No, he's not at the top of these scores, but he's got the enough. Now I want to see more. What am I interested in? And if I did that in reverse order, Nick, and I saw him play football, wow, this guy's phenomenal. Now I want to see his scores. Mm-hmm. I want to see how he tests so I can get an idea how he translates. All right, he plays like a first-rounder. He tests like a seventh-rounder. Fourth-rounder sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, and it also depends on the position and where you're going to use them and whatnot as well. But, yeah, covering him in the slot. Also, he could play boundary, especially if you're going to be living in more of an off-coverage mm-hmm. uh, world. I mean, that's what the Broncos did for a number of years. Vic Fangio specifically didn't really care as much about the size of the cornerbacks because they weren't playing press bump and run uh, at the line of scrimmage. He had a little bit of a buffer there. So should be fun. Will be fun to follow this cornerback room and the secondary in general. Uh, after that, then I have questions about the uh, the linebacker spot. I mean, Kyle Walker had been fine there for a bit. He also brought in, obviously, Caden Ellis. Is it going to be kind of weird packages going on here to work in Caden Ellis's blitzing uh, prowess? Or do you think it's just going to be straight up Troy Anderson and Caden Ellis uh, going forward this year? I think we got to probably get, keep an eye on Michael Walker as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a shout out from, I think it may have been NFL.com um, saying the all get paid. You know, these are guys to watch. You may not know who he was, but he had 108 tackles. I didn't realize he had triple digit tackles last year. Um, you know, we watched every Falcons game at least once. So, you know, it was very quiet. Um, 
the front line in front of him will help keep the linebackers cleaner, Nick. Yeah. And you've got some athleticism in there now with with Ellis and Troy Anderson and Michael Walker that I think now Deion Jones could fly. A prime Deion Jones feasts in a in a in a in a, in a defense when your defensive line is this much stronger. Um, so the Falcons ha- have had some speed at linebacker, but yeah. it's 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 different now. <laughs> yeah. Plus, these guys are thirty pounds heavier than Deion Jones. Uh, so I'm not saying they've lacked speed because Deion Jones could fly. That was his biggest asset. But it's just the last two years, Rashawn Evans, solid, but athletically not as as gifted as, as what they're going to put out there this year. Uh, Foye Aluakon, great. When we talk about awareness, Foye Aluakon, super smart inside linebacker. The the and that's where I came up with the the phrase, you know, the the scoop of anticipation that's where it is really the most meaningful for me is at that inside linebacker spot corner is a little bit scarier. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're not, if you're not being isolated all the time, then you can, you can use that a little bit. And Clark Phillips talking about, he's, he was five, nine, 184 pounds, 29 and eighth inch arms, four, five, one forty. So in a, in a, in a solid four, three, two shuttle. So, and strong 18, 18 reps on the bench press. So, He'll get after it. You know, you know, he'll get after it. Mass Lawrence coming in. He says, good morning, guys. Good morning to you, Moss. I'm sorry. I don't have my glasses on and I'm nearsighted as hell. <laughs> he says, what's up, guys? What's up, Moss? Uh, great to have you in here. Um, when I first saw it on my screen, I was like, oh, this must be a, a Boston guy. No, it's Moss, dummy. So <laughs> welcome in. Glad to have you. Appreciate you being here. Um, Nick, we mentioned injuries. And on the positive news front, Defensive lineman Taquan Graham is back full go. Um, of, of the injuries last year, of the bigger ones, he's really the first one. He's out there before Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be fine, but he's not out there yet. Taquan Graham is. A lot of money spent on the defensive line, Nick. What does Taquan yeah. Graham mean to a team that's going out there with David Onyemata, Grady Jarrett, and Calais Campbell? I mean, all those guys you listed are older, uh, second contract kind of guys, third, fourth contract, I think, for Clayus Campbell, fifth contract. God, he's he's been around around the sun a few times. So having Graham in there is somebody that is still in the rookie contract, up and coming as a player, and can substitute those guys. I see on our lads that Clayus Campbell's listed as the starter at defensive end, but maybe Clayus Campbell's much more of a you know, 30% of the snap kind of guy, 35 and coming in on obvious pass downs, you know, at his age at this point, maybe he doesn't want to be sitting there banging and, you know, having the two gap uh, against the run to free up the linebackers or Graham can come in. So you're going to rotate those guys anyway, a good bit. You also got Eddie Goldman there as your uh, nose tackle. So it's great to have him in there. And heck, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Graham is an equivalent uh, co-starter, if you will, with uh, yep. the likes of Clayus Campbell by the end of the season, assuming he's healthy. Kind of like the running back position, Nick. You know, that's one place, and I don't think it can be assumed that Bijan Robinson is the starter. I just don't think it matters. Um, Bijan Robinson's going to get a ton of touches. Tyler Algier is going to get a ton of touches. And I, it never even crossed my mind, but I, I referenced... Uh, Tori's article on AtlantaFalcons.com, and she took a quote from Cordero Patterson. She's like, oh, he wasn't bothered by drafting Bijan Robinson. I'm like, no, Cordero Patterson should be thrilled. Hmm. Um, 
because he wants to win. He's 32 years old. And frankly, I want him to get 10 to 12 touches a game, not 15 to 20. And I think he can have just as many yards, just as many touchdowns and be more efficient and being more effective when they do use him because they don't have to use him as a, a primary back, which he's not. He's really effective there, but he runs like a kamikaze, Nick. Mm-hmm. I just I, I worry about him breaking down when he's running every ball into the line of scrimmage like it's a kickoff return. And with how much Arthur Smith likes to use, utilize the screen game and the run game, that's it's not a worry there. You're going to have plenty of touches for those guys to go around and knock on wood, but it's the reality of the game. Somebody's going to get dinged up and you know maybe even not miss time, but not be 100%. Then you can lean on another player for a bit. So with how much this team wants to uh, live through their running game to protect Desmond Ritter and just force teams into much more uh, heavy personnel, uh, guys coming down, biting on play action, having multiple options there is not a, a big deal by any means. Now, if I'm looking at at this team, I, I think where the most wide open position, Nick, is probably wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like we can we can talk about, okay, even if it's just a, a switch of players, um, like you just said, okay, take one, you know, Calais Campbell could be listed as a starter, but Taquan Graham should get a lot of time in there. Or, you know, more obvious, Tyler Algier is listed as number one, or Bijan Robinson is. It doesn't really matter. That that could be a 60-40 split in favor of Bijan. Tyler's still going to get a ton of a ton of touches. But on the wide receiver side of things, if you're going out there with Kyle Pitts as a receiver tight end, you're going out there with Drake London. Do you think 6'4, 225 pounds of Mac Hollins? has the inside track for that wide receiver two spot. And then if yes, is that an upgrade over Alameda Zacchaeus? Yes, it is. And how does Scotty Miller fit in and what kind of role can he have as a quicker inside slot guy? Just based on matchups and what you're trying to do in a certain situation. Uh, I think that not to totally you know overlook as Alameda Zacchaeus, but I think Mac Hollins brings a more physical uh, presence that it's going to be fun, especially if you're trying to bring a, vertical passing element to the game, uh, which Mac Hollins can do. He's a home run hitter. Uh, loved him at UNC with the special teams ability and the deep play ability uh, coming out of college. So I think he's good. Wide receiver too, though. I mean, it is a competition, but it's not a competition for good reasons. It's because we're drawing names out of a hat, mostly for guys who have been not totally discarded, but not super sought after uh, talent there. Is it a big deal though? I don't think it's, I'm not too worried about it just because, you have so many options. Like your wide receiver two is Bijan Robinson. Your wide receiver two is Kyle Pitts. Just how mm-hmm. the your big three, how you're going to utilize weapons and where the targets are going to go. Would it be nice to have somebody out there who can play a a high A dot role? Um, that's really just a prowess as a deep threat. I mean, imagine like Will Fuller, Will Fuller in his prime in this offense as a space creator, where he doesn't need to have a lot of targets, but he's going to have a major impact because of the deep play. Th- um, playability that'd be awesome um that's we talked about that a little bit in the offseason but right now i'm not too worried about it mac hollins can fill a role scotty miller can fill a role it just depends on what you're looking to do out there with those guys um i'm pretty interested to see mac hollins out there too i mean they're going to walk out there it's going to look like a a a pickup basketball game you know there's not quite the seven foot center out there but i got i got kyle pitts at six six i got drake london at six five and uh, I got six four Mac Hollins. Um, 
want to say give a shout out to uh to mr dirk lawrence says good morning rise up roll tide and let's go blues i think we got a fellow falcons and chelsea fan i think you can do two of these two of those three um you probably know dirk i did go to auburn so it, it's going to be tough to get a roll tide out of me but i grew up in atlanta i i don't i'm not in that alabama auburn thing the way a lot of alabamians are <laughs> so um and I want to say thank you for the big stars, my friend, the support to the show. Be like Dirk. If you want to support the show, the most direct way to do that is with Super Chats on YouTube and Facebook stars. Dirk came in with big stars this morning. Thank you very much, my friend. It, it helps keep the lights on, help keeps my forehead nice and shiny, and it can help get Nick a, uh, a sharper razor. So those <laughs> are the kind of things we're, we're looking for. So thank you, sir. Um, now that it seems like the the questions are starting to come in a little bit and Marco has a comment. He says, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for the content guys. This channel should be much more popular than what it is. Let's make sure we continue to like and share every time. And thank you. And thank you, Marco. And we're still relatively new to the game. You know, 18 months ago, I think I had 800 subscribers on this channel. I'd kind of just messed around with it and we're pushing 3,500. So uh, it's it's growing nice and steadily. We're not, probably to our own detriment, Nick and I are not carnival barkers. So where we, hey, look at us, we're awesome. Come subscribe. I want you guys to do that. I want you to go tell everybody, hey, these guys are awesome. Come subscribe. And that that helps helps us build. So um, we, we're, we're content guys when we're in front, when it's our show and, and we enjoy doing this, Marco. So certainly appreciate it. Um, Harry Marshall Wood, the third, you go by Trey, uh, a friend of mine goes by Trey, um, who was a third says with Ritter rushing less than Mariota, giving CP a fewer, less carries to keep him fresh and Huntley's missing carries. There are plenty of rushes to go around to Robinson and Algier. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of touches to go around. And, and I think that's one of the reasons, Nick, you start seeing people are coming around to the idea that Desmond Ritter, Hey, he could be the quarterback and Kyle Pitts and Drake London could have good games or, or you know, good seasons. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, they, and, and I had a comment on Facebook. So this is a rushing team. I don't expect them to do much. Well, they were 31st in passing yards last year and still had 2,800. Someone's got to catch those passes. Yeah. And I I'll be shocked if they don't go over 3000 yards this year. So there's plenty of touches to go around, especially in the offensive backfield, Marshall. I agree with you 100%. I am curious to see how the theoretical improvement on defense is going to change uh, how much the dropback pass game is needed. I mean, we kind of saw it last year, though. Even when um, you were behind, Arthur Smith eventually reached the, as you say, you know, effort stage where we're just going <laughs> to run it even though we're behind because it's more efficient. Uh, but it will be interesting. This is still going to be a team that passes at some and I've said it on here a few times. Uh, I think that I, the ideal situation for Desmond Ritter going forward is uh, the Dak Prescott path. You know, a quarterback who is a solid athlete, but, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson out there, but he can tuck it and run when he needs to. Has a okay arm in terms of the velocity, but, you know, a smart leader, good pocket presence, understands what he's doing out there. A lot of experience at the college level and took a program that hasn't historically won and won a lot. I mean, I think there's a lot of commonalities there between uh, Dak Prescott and Desmond Ritter coming into a situation too, where he is not the main show or attraction of that. It's about the run game and the offensive line and the running back that you brought in. And he just has to come in there and be a smart quarterback, make the right decisions, utilize those legs when you need to keep the offense chugging. Don't go be, he doesn't have to be the, uh, 
the truck, but it'd just be the trailer, as I think Bucky Brooks likes to use that analogy for the quarterback position when they're not having to be the entire system uh, right. there. So Yeah, your engine be- on this team is your, your offensive line and your, your offensive backfield. Yep, exactly. That's what stirs the drink, and because of that, you should be seeing much more predictable uh, defenses up front, teams that are going to be way more, not completely selling out, but biting on play action, that then if you call it a good time and you have a quarterback who's smart and who can read it before the snap, can have some big plays off of that. So I, is Desmond Ritter going to be the long-term quarterback? It's always the question with quarterbacks because it, I think you pretty much need to have a superhero level guy to compete at the top level, specifically in the AFC, maybe not as much in the NFC right now. Uh, but for this season, the next two seasons, I think it'd be more than fine. We'll get into that in just a second. Let's say hello to some folks. Remind me of the superhero level compete NFC. And we'll come back to that one because I'll forget it. Okay. Um, but Leon, Leon comes in. He says, good morning, you both. Miss you on Monday, Nick. Yeah, Leon, appreciate you being here. Uh, Terry's in the house. He says, I'm late, fellas, just getting off work. Well, I hope you had a good shift, working the night shift. You're a tougher man than I am, dude. That's uh, the, the, if, you're, if you're working nights. So uh, appreciate you winding down with us and get some rest. It's getting dark out there. So in Atlanta, you can, uh, you can sleep in and feel like it's nighttime because you know, sometimes it's blazing hot. It's got some storms rolling in today. So welcome in. Appreciate you being here. Um, let me see here. Where was the one? I think it was Keith that I wanted to say. Um, coming in with some Facebook stars. Thank you, Keith. Uh, he says, I want to rewind and give me your thoughts on Ritter pre-draft and when he was selected. So going back to that superhero traits, you know, that superhero quarterback. Jalen Hurts wasn't necessarily a superhero quarterback. Um, he, he had some superhero rushing ability. Yeah, but he, I, I still wouldn't put him in the the league of Malik Willis as a rusher, you know, mm. so to speak. You know, and his question, I just he's really good and he's developed, but I don't think anybody coming in would have anticipated that he has had the success that he's had. I think he's definitely, mm. or else he wouldn't have been drafted where he was. But, you know, he was, he's played his way into that. But still, following that model, I think Jalen Hurts has been the beneficiary of the Philadelphia Eagles. You, you know, if, if you switch him and Ritter for the last couple of years, how much better last year would the, the Falcons have been than 7-10 and 10, and how much worse than 14-3 and three would the Eagles have been you know, if Ritter's in year three, which he's going into to year two now, you know what I mean with the development. Yeah. And I think that's what you're trying to build here in Atlanta. The the birds, you know, down here in the South are trying to build a system around it where you can elevate the quarterback, where he ends up looking like a superstar because he's doing his job. Now, going to Keith's question here, Ritter is an underrated athlete. At the at the NFL Combine, he had the fastest forty time there. I think it was like four five one four five two. He's got plenty of arm. Jalen Hurts has a good arm, but no one's thinking, okay, we're drafting this guy because he's throwing hundred mile an hour fastball. I thought he was arguably the best quarterback in that draft. And when the Falcons were drafting or were were picking like thirty six or thirty eight, wherever they had that pick in the second round. Keith, we took him a lot. We took mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter a lot when we were mocking, saying this is a good spot for him to go get your quarterback of the future. Ritter is a good, toolsy athlete. 
could fit into Arthur Smith's system in the second round that you got him in the third was great value. That was, that's how I remember it, Nick. I agree with you a hundred percent. I have a hard time comparing uh Ritter to Hertz just because the body type, I feel like no, I just think is... of the, the situation Yeah, is, is, is like level, not necessarily physical ability, but just level of prospect for me was fairly even. Mm. And then what the Falcons are trying to do is similar to what the Eagles have done. Yeah, I, that's another good shout. I mean, it's it mimics, again, Dak Prescott as well. I think more so offensive line uh, focused. Although, the, the, what am I saying? The Cowboys offensive line, they, those years when they had Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, and uh, Zach Martin, they were humming those seasons with the running back. So, yeah, that that's definitely a possibility out there. Again, I know you're not saying one for one, but I still do want to say it. Just the the type of offense that the Eagles are running where it is so zone read quarterback run heavy, I think that given what a weight room freak um, Jalen uh, Hurts is, not that uh, Desmond Ritter is not a good athlete or anything, but like they're built physically different. So I don't know if you can uh, run them a similar style where it's going to be you know, teams are having to play a defense a certain way because of the rushing ability, especially in the goal line. God, the red zone stuff that the Eagles can do with Hertz is almost impossible. I mean, Sean Payton talks about it all the time in the press conferences and uh, when he was working at NBC. So I agree. I think still you're trying to make it really simple, stupid for the quarterback where, you know, you're giving them layups, half field reads. And if teams are playing a lot of single high stuff because they're forcing down for run fits, biting the linebackers, taking a step forward on that, it should make the job a lot easier. It's going to be a big season, though, uh, for Ritter. Obviously, the, the quarterbacks of interest were all gone. Uh, one, two, one, three. Where did the other? I don't even remember. There was th- th- three quarterbacks we liked a lot this draft. I can't even remember how they all fell in this one. It was one, two, three. It was Kenny Pickett, and then it was. Um, no, I'm talking about this year. You guys oh, okay, didn't have a chance. At I was one. thinking Ritter. Yeah. Yeah. No, you it guys went. Took- it went one. It went one, two, four. It was four. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Will whole- Anderson yes. got taken by the Texans. They, they, they moved up to take, uh, to take Will Anderson. They traded back in there to get him. And then the Colts went with Richardson. Yep, exactly. So you didn't even have a chance. There's no questions there unless, uh, we'll see about Will Levis, but I wasn't as big on him there, but it will be fun. Um, I'm excited to see what Ritter can do this year. It'll still come down that for a rookie quarterback contract. You're going to be fine with that. This cup up coupling yep. this season, next season. After that though, is he the type of quarterback that can, move on from the trailer and become the truck. I don't know. We're going to figure that. That's, yeah, that's it, it should be fun. I know that, that Arthur Smith has come out and said, we're pleased with the progress he has. And it was interesting, Nick, because he basically came out and said what I've been preaching about internal scrimmages, OTAs, et cetera, et cetera, is he, he said, listen, if I was worried about his completion percentage, I could just drop my defense into soft zones and hit some nice, easy reads. And his daughter was there. He goes that Sophie could probably hit. No offense, Sophie. Um, and, and, you know, but that's, that's not what we're doing here. And it was, it was refreshing to hear somebody say that. Cause you're like, Oh, the offense looks great. Well, does the offense look great because the defense is garbage or because, you know, it's, it's all internal. You don't really know what you've got till three, four weeks into the season. And then you're still not sure. And yes, Harry says, uh, Kevin Fitzpatrick uh, last year would have had more passing yards as Marcus been able to hit the open man. There's a, there's a comp out there of, um, Marcus missing Kyle Pitts on about 10 shots that Pitts would have had another 500 yards on uh, if, if he had been a better passer. Even if you had half of those, uh, it would have been better. So, yeah, um, Terry doesn't like birds. Um, 
you know, being called birds, we are falcons. And he says uh, he just doesn't like it. Well, here's the thing, though, Terry. When the team calls itself the Dirty Birds, what are you going to do, man? And and frankly, growing up with the Hawks and the Falcons, I was a bird fan. You know, mm-hmm. I was a, I was a, I was a bird. I was a fan of the birds, both sets, Hawks and Falcons. Um, let me see here. And Eric says, you know, you know, Pitts had a better year with Matt Ryan. Well, that's that's not a big surprise. That he went from a thousand to three hundred and fifty yards may have been a little more. Um, Matt Ryan was incredibly accurate, and he made a lot of marginal receivers a lot of money. Russell Gage was much better. Oh, who was the guy they ended up trading for a second rounder to the Patriots? Big guy. Oh, I can think of his, um, I can't remember his name. He he played like 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. Uh, the Falcons acquired him from like a third and then flipped him for a second. Made him a ton of money. And Chris, Mohamed Sanu. Sanu. Better it is. Yeah, it was Sanu. Thank you. He, he should be cutting Matt Ryan a check. Mohamed Sanu. That was, he, he made a lot of, Matt Ryan made a lot of guys a lot of money. So thank you. That's that's one of the the players that I I think of. So Matt Ryan's got the six most yards in NFL history. The man could throw the ball. Um, on that note, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here in just a moment. We're at about forty two minutes, and uh, Kevin says he is a true Birds fan. Falcons, Hawks, Cardinals, and Golden Eagles. Yeah, you you got pretty much all of them wrapped up in there too. So. Mm-hmm. I never could get on board with the Thrashers because I knew that hockey was going to fail miserably in Atlanta because at the time, the NHL did not have the TV money, but they have the big salaries, so they get their revenue specifically from being the most expensive ticket in sports, and the Atlanta market was not going to back a team that was the most uh, most expensive ticket in sports while struggling as an expansion franchise. It just mm-hmm. doomed to fail. Now they're talking about doing it up here in Alpharetta. So fool me once. I tried to tell you before. Um, um, you know, going in, though, as we, we finish up, Taylor Heineke is a pretty good backup to have. You know, if it doesn't work for Desmond Ritter, Heineke can play this game, and he is a really good athlete and could fit this this pretty well. So I think the floor for this team should be seven, eight wins with this schedule, Nick. It should be. Uh, you have multiple options. There are multiple avenues. I guess I can ask you, besides injury, uh, obviously, what is the system failure that could happen that would cause it to be have a worse year this season? You already talked about the backup quarterback. There's got to be something on this team where if this doesn't work out, you think the wheels fall off. The the big one for me is if if the offensive line reverts back to 2021 form. So yeah. you had... I can't picture there being a, a, a problem at left guard as bad as there was in 2021. That was Jalen Mayfield was arguably the worst offensive lineman in football. And I've said it before and I'll say it again through no fault of his own. He wasn't ready. He was thrown in. That was a systematic failure from the Atlanta Falcons that they had to play him. Kayla McGarry made huge, huge strides. Now we're making the assumption that he can either continue to get a little bit better or at least hold his 2022 form. If he reverts back to 2020, 2020, 2019, 2021 form, you got a problem at right tackle. Mm -hmm. Here's hoping that, that the, um, that Ledford over there has worked wonders with these guys. But I think that is the breaking point. 
how does this team fail? If Dolman goes back to looking like he did the first quarter of the season last year, Caleb McGarry reverts back to pre-2022 form. Then you've got two liabilities on the offensive line. And Matthew Bergeron isn't ready at left guard. And you're throwing mm-hmm. Hennessy out there. That's where non-injury-wise, you're going to have a problem on this team. That said, Nick, the rest of the team is still so much better. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like that you still wouldn't be as bad as you were in 2021 because your defense is going to have so much more talent. Yeah, I mean, if your kicker was missing more kicks, maybe you could, you know, things like that do normalize. With 2021, where Koo was, you know, pretty clutch in some of those things. But we'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think, for me, one that is worth noting, and it's just the volatile nature of the position, but a cornerback could fall off a cliff. I mean, A.J. Terrell was not as good as the last season he was in 2021, and you traded a fifth for Jeff Akuda, who is the former number three overall pick. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's really just not good. You know, maybe he stinks. And then you're, then you're trying to figure out what are you doing with that third spot? Is Mike Hughes out there in the boundary? If the cornerback position goes, I mean, you have a hard time stopping anybody in this league. You need four that you like out there. If, and if Terrell just ends up being, let's say, instead of a top 10 cornerback, top 15, top 20, and you have question marks surrounding all everywhere uh, around him, that could be an issue for the whole defense where pass rush should be better. Everything else should be better, but it could create some real issues this season. And I know I'm cheating here. I said no injuries, but, uh, if Kyle Pitts isn't healthy and everything is on Drake London in that passing game, that could be pretty rough. You can string by with the run game and the offensive line and everything as well. But if you're not really forcing teams to fear anything in the pass game, you know, is it, it playmaking? I think the game's changed a bit. I think the actual like true standout playmakers are more valuable than they've almost ever been. Um, so, cause they can take over a game um, more so in the ISO ball that we're in right now. So if you are missing Kyle Pitts, it could be tough to move the offense in an explosive fashion. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I think mm-hmm. I, I think there's a plethora of guys that you could turn in and go to. It could be a Cordero Patterson game. It could be a Tyler Algier game. It could be a Bijan Robinson game. It could be a Drake London game. I think you got four guys when you mentioned that the ISO and matchups were one of those guys could take over. I think you've got five of those players that could be a player of the game on offense right now and then throw in the occasional hey, they forgot to cover Mac Hollins all day, and he went for, he got half his yards in one game. So I, I think that's okay. And as far as the, the concern about the cornerback, I, I reverted back to a seven-win season with 2021. And I'm just looking at the cornerback depth chart, and I'm counting A.J. Terrell, Darren Hall, Jeff Okuda, Clark Phillips, Mike Hughes, and D. Alford. I count six guys I would rather have than Fabian Moreau who started opposite every game opposite AJ Terrell. Poor Fabian. <laughs> oh, he was, he, he, he the, the thing that bothered me is like, I will get after a guy attitude and effort is where mm-hmm. I will, I will yeah. start getting really negative about a player. You just heard me back Jalen Mayfield. Jalen Mayfield was bad. I'll make excuses for him. That wasn't his fault. Fabian Moreau. If there was a sweep coming his way, he'd take off for the sidelines. I mean, yeah. you, you've got to at least hold your ground some. He was so soft when he played for the Falcons that it was really, really frustrating. There's six guys out there at corner. So, again, relatively speaking, that's a seven-win team back-to-back. I, I just – I there's so much more talent on this squad than the last two seven-win teams. 
The wheels fall off for me, Nick, is another seven and ten season. That's a failure. That is a yeah. big fail if they go seven and ten. And I, it's just I can't see it. I mean, you can injuries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But just from the personnel standpoint that is already out there, I cannot see this team losing you know, winning less than seven games. I just can't see it. It would be tough, especially with the the schedule that you have before right. you. I mean, going through that the first time, I mean, we were borderline laughing um, at yeah. uh, just how, <laughs> how they were favored up. twice last year. They should be favored 10 times at least mm-hmm. this year. So on that note, y'all, we, uh, we want to hop out of here again. This is the Falcons podcast. We are live. Uh, every Monday and Wednesday at 9 a.m. So if you're listening to us after the fact, we've gotten some decent traction on Apple Pods. Thank you. So make sure if you're listening on Apple Pods, give us a quick review um, and, a, and a star rating. It helps us out a lot. And we will be back next Monday. Um, Nick might join us, might not join us. It's always kind of fun when he does, but we'll be here regardless. So want to say a special thank you to Keith and Dirk for coming in with the Facebook stars. That certainly helps. Yeah, um, thanks guys. helps keep the lights on. Like I said, and you know, if you're listening, you don't realize how big a forehead I might actually have, <laughs> but it keeps it nice and shiny. Um, any last words before we get going before uh, the lightning hits and knocks me out of power here? <laughs> uh, no, nothing. Uh, just if you're out here on the uh, West coast, be fire safe. It's been a dry, hot one out here. And uh, most wildfires are have man-made origins. So, you know, just going to be my Smokey the bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. Uh, it's a, uh, rough it's uh, gonna be a rough one out here but uh, let's do what we can and uh, appreciate it. it's always fun to come in here and talk i know i've been gone on the falcons for a bit i've been gallivanting around the pacific northwest backpacking enchanted valley out there on the oregon coast as well canyon beach if you haven't been out there god what a awesome time and uh, then also mount rainier so it's uh, exploring all the the fruits of the pacific northwest have to offer and then my parents come a week from today uh, they fly in at like t- 10 p.m so It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited to just get the summer going and love football, but I'm enjoying the the break that summer is offering as well. Yeah, sometimes it's a nice break. That's people, oh, baseball's boring. I'm like, baseball's not called the most exciting, America's most exciting sport. It's called America's pastime. It, it helps pass the time hmm. until we get back to football. So always good. On that note, yeah, Smokey the Bear is a Falcons fan. And, and my dog's name is Smokey, and he's definitely a Falcons fan. So... On that note, y'all, we're going to get out of here. We will see you on Monday at 9 a.m. Can't wait to have you back. We'll see what kind of news comes out with the Atlanta Falcons. We'll be here to cover it. Everybody have a great rest of your week and a good weekend. See y'all later.